Hey, Mama. I know getting meals on the table for your family can feel tough, especially finding weeknight-friendly meals that everyone in the family will love. There's a good chance it's why you're here, at least I hope so. Helping moms take the stress out of feeding their family is my biggest passion. It's why I share with you here, and it's why I created the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. If you've ever wished this podcast came with a weekly done-for-you dinner plan with a shopping list and meal prep tips, or maybe a recipe library with over 200 family-friendly recipes, cooking tips, how-tos, and hacks, well, it does, and it's all in the Healthy Mama Cooking Club over on Patreon. Starting at just $3 a month for access to our 200-plus recipe vault with printable PDF recipes, or $5 a month for weekly done-for-you dinner plans, plus the recipe vault and bonus podcasts every month, the Healthy Mama Cooking Club is the dinnertime solution you're looking for. Head to patreon.com slash healthymamachris or click the link in the show notes to try it out for a week free and join over 130 other busy mamas making weeknight meals work with the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. I can't wait to see you in there. All right, let's get on with the episode. Living a healthy, balanced life is no small feat, especially when you're a mom. With meals to cook, laundry to load, work to do, and humans to raise, it can be easy to feel like we're in an on-again, off-again relationship with healthy living. But it doesn't have to feel this way. I believe living a healthy life has become way too complicated. What we need isn't a new plan or program telling us what to eat or how to live. We need simple, uncomplicated routines and information that's going to help us live our best, most beautiful life without rules and restrictions. Join me, Kristen Dofniak, holistic health coach, certified intuitive eating counselor, and mama of two for weekly conversations on what it means to live a healthy, balanced life, uncomplicate eating, and simplify in every area of mom life. Hey friends, welcome back to the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. I'm Chris Dovniak, your host, and I am so excited to have a repeat guest on with me today. Many of you already know Dr. Heather from her previous two episodes we did together last year and the Happier Hormones cookbook we co-created last year that has helped so many of you within her hormone balancing programs. Dr. Dr. Heather is a holistic pharmacist with a passion for empowering women to learn, listen, and heal their bodies in ways that are natural and practical. And today I have her on talking about a hot topic in the nutrition world, pro-metabolic eating. As Dr. Heather talks about in this episode, our metabolism is at the root of our hormone function. And oftentimes what we're missing in our journey to balancing our hormones, managing our weight, and just feeling better overall, feeling like the healthiest version of ourselves, is getting to that root and really supporting our body at the baseline level, at the foundational level. And all of that comes down to our metabolism, how our body works most efficiently, and how it utilizes the nutrients that we give it to then go and support our bodies as a whole. So in today's episode, Dr. Heather talks about what pro-metabolic eating is and how pro-metabolic eating is so helpful for our 
hormone health and our overall health and some of the first steps that we can take to start eating in a more pro-metabolic way without dogma or feeling like we need to do everything at once. We discuss the importance of reducing polyunsaturated fatty acids and their role in our metabolism or lack thereof, I guess their negative role on in our metabolism. We talk about dairy and why dairy might not be the villain that we once thought it was. We talk about some other foods that might not be the health foods that we thought they were and that it's not about an all or nothing, just take these things out and add these things in, but a process of really just focusing on supporting our bodies with the most nutrient-dense foods as possible at the heart of pro-metabolic eating. We also talk about how it's not just about the food. Nutrition is a part of this, a huge part of this, but really it's about supporting our bodies as a whole through reducing our stress, getting better sleep, managing our exercise. There's so much more. We dive into so much in this episode. Any of you who haven't met Dr. Heather before are going to absolutely fall in love with her. I call her the hormone queen in this episode because to me, she is the hormone queen. She will help you heal your hormones and get your body back into a place of balance in a really practical way that isn't going to overwhelm you. So I cannot wait for you to listen to this episode. So without further ado, let's dive in to pro-metabolic eating with Dr. Heather Rhodes. Welcome back to the Healthy Balance Mama podcast, Dr. Heather. I am so excited to have you back on. Hey, Chris. I am so excited to be here. I just love coming and hanging out with your community. They're the best. I know that so many of my listeners know you and are they're as obsessed with you as I am. Um, you are so helpful in the world of, you are you are the hormone queen, right? In the world of hormone health. And you've already been on the podcast twice. Um, and so many of my listeners already know who you are, but can you just kind of briefly share how you became the hormone queen? That's my name, not yours. <laughs> um, and who you are and what you're passionate about sharing with the world. Yeah, of course. So I am Dr. Heather Rhodes. I traditionally went to a school of pharmacy to become a doctor of pharmacy. And um, I did some residencies afterwards and really focused in on supporting patients through what the medical traditional medical world will term like chronic care. Um, And that kind of perspective is more so looking at conditions that people have need management long-term. So we're thinking diabetes, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, a lot of things like that. And so that's where my background started. And then I went through my own personal journey involving hormones and fertility. And one thing that really stood out in merging both of these worlds, um, my own journey and what I went to school for was that a lot of times patients want to get and feel better. And medications can be so helpful in some circumstances, but when we look at these more long-term, ironically, more metabolism driven conditions, medications kind of put a wedge in the equation, but they don't actually get to the root and fix things. And so when I went through my journey and realized, Hey, I want answers. Nobody's giving me, I decided I'd use my education, my skills of clinical research and all that to figure things out for myself. So I did. And that was when I had my moment of, you know what, like some people just don't have the training or the ability to do this research on their own. And it's so overwhelming, even for someone in the medical profession. And so if I can do anything to make it simpler more understandable and easier for them. That's what I'm going to do. Um, and so that's when I dove hot and heavy into the world of females, women's health, um, 
you know, their hormones, how their bodies work, how their metabolisms work, how those things influence literally everything else about their health. And that really just lit that fire. And that's what I do now is I help women to reset and restore their hormones, utilizing the system your body already has, which I think is kind of the opposite where traditional medicine world is utilizing outside things to fix your body. Whereas I look at, Hey, your body already has a system that keeps things balanced and keep you feeling the best. We just need to learn how to support and work with that system because the true root of a lot of the dysfunctions we're managing are coming back to that system needing some more support. Mm, I love that. And I love that everything you share is so simple in the best way. You take these complicated concepts and you really do break them down and make them actionable and understandable. And I know that you've helped me so much personally, my own hormone journey. And I shared some of that in our last episodes together. Um, it really does feel simple for me to know what to do to balance my hormones now based on so many of the things that you've taught me. It doesn't need to be overly complicated. And so I love that you're taking your background and helping other women with that. And so with that, you mentioned a lot of these metabolic conditions. And I know that many of my listeners are already familiar, at least at a baseline level with hormone health. But today I want to talk specifically about metabolism and this burgeoning topic in the nutrition and the hormone health world. And that is pro-metabolic eating. So this burgeoning topic of pro-metabolic eating is something that you kind of introduced to me. A lot of these concepts I had already known about, but maybe wasn't necessarily applying, but putting it all together and considering how important our metabolism is for our hormone health and our overall health as women has been really eye-opening and really enlightening for me. So I wanted you to come on and share with us a little bit more about pro-metabolic eating and how it can help us with our health and our hormones. So can you start us off by just sharing what is pro-metabolic eating and why should we even care about our metabolism? Yes. I love this. Okay. So first of all, I do want to just kind of clear the air because a lot of us have heard a lot of things about metabolism and typically it's utilized in this lens of weight loss. And so we think like, Oh, I just have a slow metabolism or, you know, we're equating something to the amount of calories we eat versus what we weigh. That's usually what we think of when we're thinking metabolism or what we've been taught and told about it. And I want us to kind of table that and forget it for a minute, take weight totally off the shelf. And let's think about what metabolism truly is. And what it is, is actually how your body converts what you give it into energy. So it's how does your body take the food that you put in and turn it into these tiny little um, you know, minerals and vitamins and cells, almost like the little worker bees of your body to get things done. Because we know that food is our energy, water is our energy. We know what fuels our body. But if we really go down to like the deepest level, when we talk about metabolism, we're talking about how does your body turn that food into something that really keeps your system going? So think of your system, you know, if we were thinking about it as, you know, a piece of machinery, your whole body is a piece of machinery then you know you've got things that have to turn things on and you've got switches and you've got levers and you've got all of these things that move to create a process. That exact same thing is happening in your body day in and day out. But we usually think of metabolism on this really big scale of like, well, this is what I weigh and this is what I eat. 
weight is always going to be just a symptom of other things going on in your body. Metabolism is going to be how well is that machinery? Are those systems working? Do they have what they need? Are they working in the right alignment? Do you have something, you know, where you've run out of spark plugs and your body's like, Oh crap. Like, how are we going to keep going? We're missing this ingredient or you know, do you have a switch that's turned off when it should be turned on? These are the ways that food influence our metabolism because eventually your food turns into these workers, these pieces that are keeping your body running and fueling. And so when we think about hormone health, it's almost like going up a level. We think, you know, metabolism and these little fuel systems and minerals and vitamins and all of that are kind of like the most basic form hormones are what this machinery is actually producing. And then those interact with your organs. And then those interact essentially with how you feel day in and day out. Right. So thinking about it as this little cascade. And when we think about making hormones, your body can only make hormones to the level that the machinery is working. So it's almost like taking hormone health and going one level deeper of saying, okay, this is how you support hormone production. And now we're going to actually look at the machine that's producing the hormones. And that's when we dive into metabolism. So a lot of hormone imbalances, a lot of hormone conditions are actually driven by disruptions in your metabolism because your metabolism is really what's at that underlying layer. So if we think about something like PCOS, I know that's what we did our previous conversations on PCOS is something that is really, I mean, kind of, there's a lot of debate around PCOS, but I will say PCOS is a metabolic, metabolic, metabolic (laughs) is a metabolic driven condition. And so when we think about it in that way, we think about, okay, well, how do we support the metabolism? And by doing that, you're going that level below hormones, but that's going to help balance your hormones. And so that's why we think about metabolism in almost this new light, um, of how, knowing and understanding how to support your metabolism working and functioning well is actually going to be that very first spark in creating that cascade of results so that you end up feeling better. Mm, oh my gosh. That makes so, so much sense. See, this is you taking that complicated concept and breaking it down. And I love it so much because it makes sense. We need our metabolism working well, so it can create those hormones. So our hormones can be balanced in the way that they are supposed to be. And that so many of these conditions are metabolic conditions and it makes so much sense. So in terms of eating and living this pro-metabolic lifestyle, how is it different than a lot of what we've already been taught in terms of the mainstream world of nutrition, you know, both the diet culture and then the holistic health world as well. How is it kind of different? Yeah. So I think we have, you know, just like you mentioned, these two camps, we have kind of the traditional lens of what is quote unquote healthy. And I feel that society has kind of accepted diet culture as healthy. They're almost used interchangeably, right? So when you think about foods that are healthy, I want everybody to actually do this. That's listening. Think about like, what are healthy foods, right? Chris, tell me what just came up for you. Give me like three of them. Well, it's funny because now I've been researching pro-metabolic eating. And I'm like, <laughs> But when I think of healthy foods, I think of things like salads and smoothies and lots and lots of vegetables. And I used to think fruit, but now carbs aren't in. So, you know, it's very much lots of veggies, smoothies, uh, some fruit, not very many carbs. That's kind of, that's kind of it. Right. Yeah. And that's, what's become so common. And so I'm thinking like, 
basically along those same lines. We think kale, we think I have, I talk to so many clients who are like, well, I'm trying to eat more healthy. And I'm like, cool, what's healthy. And, and they're like, well, I switched to only drinking almond milk and I only have low carb, low calorie ice cream. And I eat sugar-free Oreos. And it's a lot of these things that really have gone through the lens of diet culture because diet culture tells us, Hey, if it's low calorie, if it's um, highly processed so that it's taken all the carbs and all the sugar out. If it is a, you know, basically huge leaf filled with water, it's healthy for you. Right. And so it's not that those foods, particularly like it's, I believe, you know, we talk about this all the time. It's not that anything is healthy or not healthy. In my opinion, it's just, are we eating in a way that's fueling the results that we want? And so when we think about something being healthy or not, I think it's really important just to remember that you've probably been conditioned to learn that what is healthy is actually what is low calorie, low carb, and going to equate to weight loss. It's a food that will eventually lead to weight loss because as a society, we've accepted weight loss as the ultimate goal. And we just know that's not accurate when it comes to hormone health and feeling our best. When we change that perspective, we see a lot happen. And I recently, you know, used this example and I think it will really drive it home is that think about going into a restaurant and the restaurant looks amazing, right? Like great food, everything looks great. It's a great atmosphere. You're like, man, this is the best. But let's say you find out halfway through your meal that actually nobody's washing dishes in the back. They're all just reusing everything. And like, you're getting this great food and this great atmosphere, but like your plate is actually really dirty and it's never been washed. And it has all this like crust and residue on it. Like that's going to change your perspective of, of what this restaurant is, right? Like you were thinking this is the best. And now you're like, oh my gosh, this is insane. Right. That's what happens when we look at what we weigh, when we look at weight loss as this filter, this view of what health is. Everything could look great. It could seem like everything's fine. But when you peel back that curtain, it's like, oh my gosh, this is a hot mess. And eventually that is going to overflow. And that's the same thing, you know, in that restaurant, eventually people are going to find out you're not washing your dishes and it's kind of the same thing. So it really does require us to maybe unlearn a little bit of those pieces we've always been taught around, um, you know, what truly is healthy and what truly isn't. And then we go all the way over to the other side of things, which is more the kind of natural naturopathic holistic world, that realm. And for a long time, we were actually advocating a lot of things that weren't necessarily, um, adaptable to everyone in the best way. So I'm thinking things like, all right, we've got to pull out grains. You've got to do an anti-inflammation diet. You have to, um, add in all of these supplements. They're going to fix all of the imbalances and both worlds are taking this one lens and saying, this is how you fix things. And we're kind of missing the middle ground, which is how do we practically look at foods and see how are they nourishing us? How are they supporting our body to function? And then also doing honestly the same with your supplements. Are you taking a ton of supplements because you've removed all of these foods that are meant to give you these vitamins and minerals? Supplementation is supplementing for a deficiency. Well, you can get those things you're deficient in through food. So it really comes through merging kind of both perspectives, unlearning a little bit and really thinking about, okay, If my goal right now is to feel better, to sleep better, to have more regular cycles, to get pregnant, then we want to think about how do I nourish my body in a way that it functions to its absolute best ability. And then from that point, you can trust that your body will balance out what it needs to balance out. And if it doesn't, 
you'll see those symptoms and you'll know where to dive in a little deeper. Mm, Oh, I love that. I've always kind of thought of the diet culture world as being more of like focusing on the macros really heavily on carbs, protein, fat, calories, and then the kind of holistic world focusing a little bit more on the micros. But a lot of, like you said, it's focusing on things that are either supplements or really focusing on, and I'm not trying not to get too far into the into the foods quite yet, but focusing on things that our body that might not actually be supporting our bodies in the way that they utilize them the best. And this middle ground of supporting our bodies and nourishing our bodies to function the best Mm -hmm. is it's so incredible. And it does feel so much more balanced and so much less extreme than either of those two ends. This really is that beautiful middle ground place. So much more than eating too, sometimes, you know, like it's so it's, we're talking specifically, specifically about food and nutrition today, but like, I do want to just keep in people's mind and perspectives, because like you mentioned, pro-metabolic eating is kind of on the verge right now. I feel like it's, it's, it's making its headway pretty quickly but I will say that like, you still have to understand it's not all about the food. There is a lifestyle that comes along with it. There are individually individual perspectives and things to think about that will matter. Um, and that it really is something that can be used as a tool, but it doesn't mean it's our only solution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up too, because there are so many other parts of this kind of lifestyle that I know that even, you know, have given me made me pause and take a step back and go, okay, things like just reducing our overall stress in our life, which I know every time I mention stress or self-care on the podcast, I have people go another episode about self-care, another episode about reducing stress. We're busy moms. It's not possible, but it is. And there are things that we can do to physiologically reduce our stress. We can not over-exercise. Like I took a total break from working out today because I woke up and I was like, my body is sore it is tired. And it is telling me, even though I'm like, okay, I could go for a few mile run this morning. I have a half marathon in a few weeks. My body was like, no. mm -mm." And I'm like, I don't want to put that kind of pressure on my body. Getting enough sleep, all of these things are so important. But what I also find, what I found over the last few weeks of of kind of, of you explaining all this to me and doing some of my own research and is that the the food part of it also helps to support these other areas. It really does all work together. Like my yes. sleep has been better in just a few weeks of trying to eat more pro-metabolically. Um, and I've been listening to my body more when it comes to movement, because it's very easy for me to go into the place where not necessarily over-exercising like I used to, but just pushing myself a little bit further, but listening to my body more, fueling my body better, uh, eating more of the things that are going to support me. And so it's really beautiful how it all sort of plays off of each other and works together. Um, but I'm really glad that you mentioned that because it is, it's so much more than just the food. The food is one part of it, but there is it just with anything in health, I think it's really easy to just focus on that one thing, but remember that there's other components too. Oh yeah. And like, so, I mean, what you said is so good because again, if we think about it on this level, go back to our example about like a a machine, some machinery that's like got to do its job when it's working well, it, your body recovers well too. So like when all the pieces are where it needs to be, this machine works in not just a way that, you know, 
one department's thriving and the other isn't. It really allows the whole thing to function so much better. And I think you recover, I know actually (laughs) you recover better when your body's nourished, when your metabolism is turned on and knows when to be turned down at the same time, it's able to do everything in your body more, which promotes anti-aging, which promotes decreasing inflammation, which promotes it faster recovery and more, you know, build of those muscles that you need. So I just think it's really cool because again, we sometimes are taught in the traditional world to like isolate pieces and things and be like, okay, well, I've got to fix my sleep. We've got to fix my hormones. Well, you know, I've got to fix this injury I have and actually supporting your body systems that it already has in place to recover well, to sleep better, to decrease inflammation, to balance your hormones is going to still create those results. And so that's that functional perspective that I really encourage, you know, people, I even encourage the doctors I I work with of like, Hey, let's actually look that level deep because we could definitely chase these symptoms, but you're going to get more results faster when you go down one layer and just think about, okay, well, what's actually fueling all of these things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that idea of just going one level back and making those changes that are, that are going to, to help everything. Oh, I love this. Okay. So like you said, I think the pro-metabolic world is really, or the the world of pro-metabolic eating and living is really starting to grow pretty rapidly. And I think with anything that in the nutrition and health world that starts to grow rapidly, it can be really easy to, for it to be blown out of proportion for people to get very, um, very into it and uh, very dogmatic with things. But there are a few tenets of things about pro-metabolic eating that are really important for people to understand and might be, not might, are oftentimes uh, pretty different than what we know in the mainstream. Like we were talking about things that we identify as being healthy, right? Yeah. So I want to kind of go into a couple of those areas and talk about a couple of the things that are talked about a lot in the pro-metabolic world and get your perspective on them and why they're important for hormone health. Yeah. So the first thing that you mentioned earlier um, was switching from drinking milk to drinking almond milk. So there is I feel like nuts are having a moment right now. (laughs) Like everything, everything is made of nuts, of nut milk, nut butters, nut uh, almond flour, right? Especially in the world of a lot of low carb. Um, And this is something when you and I first talked about it, I was like, I I, I literally eat nuts like three or four times a day. They're in almost everything that I eat because I have my smoothie with nut butter. Sometimes I'll do avocado, but I'll have a smoothie with nut butter. I will have nut-based, you know, treats or snacks in the afternoon. I will have nuts on my salad. I, you know, and so they're in a lot of, they're in a lot of things. And when we started talking and talking about PUFAs or polyunsaturated fatty acids, um, it, it started to make sense that maybe eating nuts at every single meal might not be the healthiest thing or the best thing for my metabolism. So can we talk a little bit about PUFAs? Because this yeah. is something big in the pro-metabolic world where not just nuts, but reducing these polyunsaturated fatty acids is helpful for our metabolism? Yes. Yeah. A hundred percent. So first let's kind of clarify a little bit about what they are. If anybody's, you know, new to this lingo, um, but it's really a lot of the things it's kind of a mix. So it starts when we think about polyunsaturated fatty acids, 
it really kind of the big overarching one that I'm like, Hey, let's really kind of step away from these are going to be those seed and nut oils. Um, and that's, you know, canola oil, corn oil, um, soybean oil. Like a lot of these things are really just integrated in the food processing and food manufacturing kind of industries right now. So they're in just about everything. Um, I miss some of the big ones, sunflower oil, safflower oil, like all of them. Right. And so the reason that we want to kind of step away from some of these oils is because they can actually be not just just damaging to the metabolism, metabolism, but they also think about how, um, you know, if you have a frozen chicken nugget, (laughs) give me some good examples here. You have a frozen chicken nugget. Well, it's clearly packed with a lot of oil so that you can heat that chicken nugget back up and it'll get hot really quickly without damaging the integrity of what's inside of it. And then it's going to, the oil is going to leak out and fry and that's, what's going to give it the good taste. Right. And so thinking about how these oils actually work when they go into our body and our body's trying to turn them into energy is that they don't work. They basically start coding our, you know, signaling molecules they kind of clog things up. Think about a drain. If you were to pour, you know, that bacon grease down your drain, things are going to get stopped up a little bit, right? You can't do that. That's why we, I don't know how y'all do it. We put it in a glass jar and then we take it out back and throw it in the garden. Like (laughs) that's kind of the same thing that's happening in your body with some of these oils. And then the second piece, so those would be like the number one things of like, Hey, let's just step away from these. So that involves a lot of, you know, processed foods. And it's not that we step away completely. It's that we say, is this a main staple with what I'm nourishing my body with, or is my body fully nourished from other foods? And these are just some extras that it is fully equipped to scrub away and handle. And what I see is that a lot of times, especially as busy moms, our diet's actually way more, you know, filled with these types of oils and preservatives and things that are possibly slowing our metabolism down a bit. And then it's kind of flipped. Then we just have a little bit of these whole foods that are actually nourishing us because really we're just trying to make it till dinner and we eat a dinner every night and that's it. Right. (laughs) And so that is one of the first areas I see like, Hey, let's just kind of think through some of these, you know, um, where these are showing up at in your diet. And then the next thing is exactly what you were talking about. I'd say again, that next layer is the nuts and seeds. And so nuts in their and seeds, even in their, you know, whole natural form can be really helpful. They can be great at stabilizing blood sugar. They're not something that I want anyone to think like, oh my gosh, well now she said nuts and nut butters and seeds are bad. They're not. But what I want us to consider are a couple of things. Number one is how much of them are you having? Because we know that nuts and seeds can send some signals. They can slow metabolism down. They're a bit harder, more difficult to digest. Think about a bear that's hibernating. What is he eating in order to slow his metabolism down so that he has energy that will last him longer so that he produces more fat? It's nuts and seeds and sometimes berries, I guess, some salmon. (laughs) Um, But essentially we're thinking, okay, These foods aren't necessarily bad, but if I am in a place where my metabolism is already slowed, it's already been damaged a bit, possibly from over-exercising, chronic dieting, not, you know, nourishing ourselves well, or even knowing how to do that, possibly even being in something like a postpartum phase where there's a lot of stress, then adding those things in are not going to be the best idea for that season. Again, having a serving a day, even, or a couple servings a week, I don't even worry about, especially, you know, I've talked about seed cycling before and I'm fine with it. However, 
because they are now having a moment, like you mentioned, when we evaluate, okay, well, how much is really in our diet? Well, we're eating a nut milk. We're having uh, almond flour and making everything. We're eating almonds as a snack. We've got uh, peanut butter and, you know, it just becomes like, oh, okay, well now maybe this is the staple of my diet. And again, those other nutrients are kind of the accessories. And so when I think about taking this perspective, I also think it's important to think about how like processed are these nut products you're actually having. So if you have to take something, a great example, even is oat milk too, right now is a big one. Um, and it's, it tastes good. Yeah. But also like, we're really trying to get protein and fats out of a oat and like, like that's just not what's happening. What's happening is that somebody's taking, you know, the tiniest amount of water that they seep their oats in and mixing it with a ton of oils and a ton of sugar and calling it oat milk. And so that's where we kind of miss the point, right? Because the point of milk is to provide us this really great profile of both those macro and those micronutrients, right? So we're getting fats, sugar, and protein in a really great ratio with traditional milk. And then you're also getting some of these micronutrients and micronutrients are a lot of times minerals and vitamins. So you've got some vitamin A, you've got some vitamin C, you've got some vitamin D. Obviously we fortify traditional milk now. However, that's not how it always was or how it's really designed for our body to have it. It's really, you know, when we think about milk and its most unprocessed natural form, it really does have a great balance of both of those things, right? It meets those kind of qualifications we were talking about of being in that middle ground. And so that's where I think it's bringing this perspective of like, okay, can I have nuts? Yeah, sure. But nuts are not meant to be the staple of our diet, which is why they don't exist as milk and flour and baking thing, like in baking powders, all of that stuff, right? Like they exist as like these easy, tiny little things we can just throw in and move on with our day. They're meant to be an accessory. Um, so yeah, I hope that answered the question, but I really do think in an individualized kind of approach of just simply evaluating where you at right now, how much of these things are creeping into your diet, how much actual whole foods are you having? And then or are you kind of for the sake of getting something that's lower calorie and a, you know, something that's possibly going to fill you up without actually nourishing you? Um, are we kind of utilizing these substitutes in hopes of getting, you know, to a specific place that we're probably pushing our body further away from? Mm, yeah. Yeah. I love this bigger picture perspective. And like you mentioned, when we first talked a few weeks ago, it was like, you know, handful of nuts is okay. And a handful of nuts is, you know, is normal a couple times a week, maybe, but you know, we're, when we're eating nut flour, we are, we're eating like a half of a cup of nuts in like one little snack. And so, yeah, taking that step back and going, how much of my diet is being taken up with these seed oils, with these nuts, I'm not going to stop cooking with nuts. I'm not going to stop using them. They're a great addition to certain recipes, but it's about, yeah, stepping back and going, okay, how much of this am I actually eating? Um, and Dr. Heather, did you just, did you just tell us that milk is healthy for us? Because I thought milk was like the worst food ever. I think actually, honestly, milk or dairy in general is probably like the last bit of like full on diet culture that is, that has still been in my head. Like I was so sure that I was lactose intolerant, that I could not drink milk 
that I, I can eat cheese and a little bit of yogurt, but I was so convinced that I couldn't drink a glass of milk, that my stomach would be a mess, that I would feel horrible. A couple weeks ago, I, my, my four-year-old loves milk and she, we buy grass-fed whole milk and I had just gotten back from a run and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to try homemade, uh, chocolate milk. And so I did cocoa powder, sugar. We'll talk about that, but like just regular old organic cane sugar and a glass of milk. And I mixed it together. And first of all, it was delicious. And second of all, I didn't die. Um, (laughs) and you know what it's a, it is, it's a great ratio of nutrients and it's actually been my go-to after runs because I am a runner, um, to refuel because it's quick, it's easy. And it's got this awesome nutrient profile. Like I, and you were the one who was like, no, we, milk is so much better for us yeah. than these processed nut milks. Yeah. And okay. So I'm going to, so full transparency here. I need to do an Instagram post about this, but I was actually not too long ago in the boat of telling people, yeah, just pull dairy out. Not all dairy, just don't have milk. Right. And in doing so much more research and, you know, always trying to figure out what is the best way we can serve our patients, where are they missing, looking at their mineral tests, looking at their hormone panels, thinking like, what is some missing pieces here? My perspective on this has changed completely. And I've landed in a place that I feel so confident in that I'm like, okay, this all makes sense. So let me bring this to the listeners. So first thing is, is milk bad? I'm going to say no. However, I would rather you not have milk than you have traditionally processed corn and grain fed cow's milk. The reason for that is because what you're getting there is a lot of byproduct of a lot of corn, a lot of soy, a lot of grains, and those things can be very pro-inflammatory. There's also a lot of, you know, if we do the traditional homogenization and pasteurization, there's also a lot of those key micronutrients being removed and extracted. We're adding a bunch of synthetic vitamins in there instead. And it really is kind of disrupting again, think about your machinery, that metabolism. It's kind of a whole bunch of nails on it. And your body's like, I think we're supposed to use these, but where do these go? Like, this is very confusing right now. Right. And so that is how, you know, milk has gotten such a bad rep because we we recognize pretty quickly in the functional holistic realm, like, Hey, people that are drinking this cow's milk, they're having a ton of issues with estrogen. They're having a ton of issues with hormone balance. They've got lots of inflammation. We're seeing leaky gut. We're seeing skin disruption. Like we're seeing a lot of things happen here. So what do we do? So the option was, all right, just pull it out. And so when we did that, people got better. So it became, okay, well, like milk is the problem. What's actually the problem is how the milk is being sourced and made. So dairy and meat are the two places that I will say your sourcing is absolutely everything Mm -hmm. vegetables. Yeah, sure. You want, you know, vegetables that had as much mineral rich, dense soil as possible and as little genetic modification as possible. But I'm, I'm good with that. Take the GMO apples, but do not drink (laughs) the traditional milk. So here's what I, here's what I tell people instead. What I want you to do is not what I want you to do, but what would probably be more ideal is looking for your dairy products and ensuring that they are grass-fed, they are organic if possible. And my favorite is a raw local. So meaning like, hey, you've got a farmer who knows what they're doing and they're actually providing you with this milk that hasn't, that doesn't have all of these additives and hasn't gone through those processes that can kind of damage the protein structure anyways. 
And so finding cheeses, milk products, yogurt, um, we use a cream, we use a butter, we use, I'm trying to think, we have a local farm that delivers all of these things to us. They, that, you know, one change has, I've seen very significant changes in everyone in my family, but when I look at tracking metabolism, one of the first places I go to are basal body temps. So that's looking at how much energy in the form of heat is your body putting out. And that's really, really helpful when it comes to hormones. I have seen that one change makes such a difference in getting those basal body temps up, which is evidence to me, oh, my metabolism is speeding up. Mm. And then I'm also seeing obviously the symptoms of, I was the same as you. I was like, if I start eating milk and dairy again, my face is going to break out. And I took it out because of that. I was like, my skin just can't tolerate it. Well, when I went to a grass-fed organic option, my face was fine. I was like, what? It's actually, mm-hmm. I think it's better. I was like, this is amazing. And so I think that that's one of the pieces that's so important to recognize is that the sourcing matters. And when you're having these dairy process products that have not only been highly processed, but also have a ton again of sugar and oils added to them, that's where we're running into the issues because now not only, especially if we've got these more traditional corn, soy, and grain fed cows, we've got a protein that's not necessarily ideal. We've got some byproducts that probably aren't the absolute best. Then we've mixed it with even more things, more chemicals, more processing. We've added a ton of sugar in there. And now your body again, is just kind of like, man, I want to utilize this, but it's causing that inflammation because you've got these added pieces that aren't necessarily giving you that right balance of micro and macronutrients. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's just going back to that. What is the best source? What is the most kind of quote unquote real source that we can yeah. get and, and nourishing our bodies in that way? What is the most supportive option? So I, I love that. And I love how you, I love how you explained that, you know, the sourcing is what is key, yeah. what is most important. And yeah, so maybe, maybe dairy doesn't work for everyone, but choose the, the better option for, you know, in terms of if you're going to be dairy free, if you're going to eat dairy, choose that best option. And And uh, so many changes in how people can tolerate grass fed, organic, even mm -hmm. sometimes those local options, because the proteins that help your body break down and digest the other ingredients in milk are left in the milk. So a lot of times people that have some of these lactate or I'm sorry, lactose intolerances, It's actually because through the processing of traditional milk, we miss, we take out, we denature the lactate enzyme that helps us break that down. That's why they make lactate pills. (laughs) So we basically have the lactate to help break down lactose. We take it out of the milk and then we sell people a branded pill for $6 a box that they can buy to help them tolerate the milk when it was already in there in the first place. We just took it out. Right. So, (laughs) so again, it's not that these things are bad. I don't want to villainize things. And I'll say too, that like, I have no doubt. I eat plenty of things that have had, you know, not the best quality milk being used as an ingredient. We go out to restaurants. I eat Ben and Jerry's like, and I don't know about Ben and Jerry's. I shouldn't shout them out, but I'm just saying like, I know that there are times my body has other forms of dairy that probably aren't the absolute best. But when it comes to me, what I'm buying, what I'm drinking, what I'm, you know, putting as these staples, these foundations in my body, those are the places I put the most focus and emphasis on. 
And then I know that if I am nourishing my body, well, I'm fueling my metabolism, it's getting some of these, you know, foods that are actually giving it what it needs and fueling it well, then it can handle breaking down some of these other pieces without it causing inflammation. So that's the other piece is that diet world tells us we have to be perfect and spot on and do everything right. And I'm saying, no, 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 no. If you can get the majority of what you're giving your body to be fueling your metabolism well, it's actually going to help you tolerate those things that don't fuel it well so much better. Yes. I love that. It's the foundations and it is, it's what we do at home. It's what we support our bodies with on a regular basis. So we don't worry about the other stuff. I love this. I love that. Just, you know, it really is. And I always come back to balance, but it really is balanced when you're looking at it as I'm going to do the best I can to support my body at home and just let the rest go. This isn't something that needs to be dogmatic in any way. Uh, and speaking of dogmatic, because you know, low carb is such a big thing nowadays. Can we talk a little bit about sugar and why, and this is some of the, this is some of what in the pro metabolic world has kind of shifted my mindset a lot too about things is how important sugar and different forms of sugar is for our body. Cause can we talk a little bit about carbs and why I think we probably talked about this in the past too, but like why our body needs carbs, why our metabolism needs carbs. Yeah, hundred percent. So carbs are the foundation of fuel. They are the gas that your body wants to use to get everything done. Um, and so a lot of times because they get such a bad rep, people start pulling out carbs and, and we saw, Oh, well, if we get rid of carbs, your body will actually use other things as fuel. It'll use things like proteins or, um, fats, you know, that's the whole keto diet is if you don't have carbs, your body will actually start burning fat for fuel. While yes, that can work and your body does it. It's not what your body wants to do. So it has to work really, really hard to be able to do that well. And that actually exhausts a lot of the resources your body has. So yes, it's burning fat and it can do it effectively. However, there's a cost to that. And the cost is you are burning through, think about it. Like um, you know, let's say this is a great example right now. Let's say you buy a house that, you know, is just like way out of your budget. And so you buy it and you're like, that's okay. We'll have the money. Well, what starts happening after you get in this house is that so people call what house broke or house poor or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's really popular right now. Um, is that essentially this house is eating up your whole budget and you're like, Oh my gosh, all these things we used to be able to do. I used to get my nails done. I used to have a nanny. I used to have a house cleaner. It's all going to this mortgage now because it takes so much money for us to, you know, maintain this, this house. Think about that in terms of how your body is living when it's trying to operate in a state of ketosis or when it's burning other things than sugar. It's saying like, okay, we can do this. We can make it work. However, you are burning through all of these other resources because your body's still finding a way to get sugar. It's just trying to find it from other places because it's had to shift. And it's like, okay, well, most of what we're going to find is going to come from this source instead. So the, the thing about that is that yes, it can work. However, you're burning through these resources and eventually you're going to hit a point where things aren't going to level out. And this is why I find for most people that eating low carb or restricting carbs only lasts for so long. And then typically once they reintroduce them, we see an overabundance of symptoms or, you know, weight gain. 
and they're almost in a worse place than they were before. And that's because your body shifted how it was doing everything to accommodate for not having sugar. And then now it has sugar and it doesn't have time to catch back up and shift back. So it's like, all right, store the sugar because we didn't have it before. And your body stores sugar as fat. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of like the, the brief overview of what happens when we don't have sugar. But when we think about how our body utilizes carbs in the best way, it's and why it's because your body can take a sugar molecule and use it as fuel, get done what it needs to get done and then go find more. And it happens very easily. It doesn't take a ton of work. Your body doesn't have to utilize a ton of extra resources to do it. And so one of the important things about making sure again, that we're having these micronutrients that your body has bioavailable, which means it can very easily access and use carbohydrates um, and protein, you know, really everything your body has, we want to make sure that it's pretty bioavailable, just meaning that your body can go get what it needs and, and move on, keep, keep functioning. Well, it doesn't slow things down, but making sure that your body has those sources, it actually tells your body, number one, that it's safe. It keeps that machine running and feeling like a well-operated, you know, process. Um, and then it also prevents your body from going and looking for what it needs in other places. And what I mean by that is if your body is deficient in sugar, in calories overall, in protein, in micronutrients, if you're just undernourished, your body isn't getting enough of what it needs, it will actually go and start looking for storage of these things in other places. And a lot of times the first place it'll find storage before it goes to fat is going to be in your mucous membranes. And so when we think about mucous membranes, think about like booger, <laughs> think about snot, right? Like um, snot, spit, like these are mucus. And those things are filled with a lot of really bioavailable, quickly accessible minerals and things that will fuel whatever your body needs to get done that day. And so the reason this matters is because if your body is going and reabsorbing and using your own tissues, your own mucus as a fuel source, then eventually you're going to, again, reach this point where it can't keep up production. So you see some deficiencies. So I see tons of women that have hormone imbalances and we talk about tracking their cycles and ovulation. And they're like, why don't make cervical mucus? Well, you are making it, but your body is now reabsorbing it and using it as a fuel source because you're undernourished. This is also massively important when it comes to gut health. Leaky gut is something that a lot of people know about now because it got a ton of popularity. And one of the ways that this happens is because your body has a layer of mucus. That's what keeps food in your belly and out of your blood. And when your body gets under a lot of stress and it doesn't have a ton of nutrients and nothing there is really bioavailable that it needs, it will start just reabsorbing that mucus membrane. And that actually makes the lining of your gut more thin. And it creates this environment where it would be really easy for large food particles to push through and create a leak. And that's essentially why stress makes such a difference when it comes to things like leaky gut. And we know that leaky gut then leads to thyroid issues. We also know that your body will look for glandular tissues like your thyroid and your parathyroid for fuel if it's ran out of it. And so sugar, it's so sad. Sugar gets such a bad rep. And this is why if you ever try to restrict sugar, your brain goes freaking crazy. And it's like, we have to get it. We have to get it. We have to get it. You almost turn on this animalistic instinct. And it's because your body knows we have to have this to live and to operate. So the best thing you can do is actually give your body that bioavailable sugar, eat the sugar, have the carbs, 
just do it in a way that is keeping the sugar that goes into your blood at one time stable, which that's what we've talked about on a lot of our other podcasts. Mm -hmm. I'm like, all right, well, when you do have these carbs, still give them to your body, make sure your body has them, but pair them with a protein or a fat. So that way, when your body goes and starts using the sugar, it's got other stuff there. Mm -hmm. Yes. Ah. You give the best explanations, (laughs) but it is, it's so, it's so important that we are giving our body what it needs and what it asks for and not trying to ask it to do something that isn't natural. (laughs) I was listening to a podcast a couple of weeks ago with Danny Roddy. He's pretty big in the pro metabolic world. I don't know if you, if you know him, but he was talking about, um, our bodies utilizing fat as fuel in a state of stress which makes sense. Like that is our body's main source of fuel in a state of stress. We don't want our bodies to feel like they're stressed all the time, especially when it comes to hormone balance. Like you mentioned, we want our bodies to feel safe. And so giving them the carbs that they need and just balancing our blood sugar, you know, just, which is so simple. Once you know how to do it, it's just, it's eating the carbs, but it's also like you said, having the protein and the fat too, so that our bodies can have what they need instead of going, no, 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 I'm going to go all the way to the extreme and force my body to use fat as fuel and then be craving carbs all the time and uh, then give up and then go, well, why did I gain all this weight back? Why do I feel horrible? Because then your body doesn't know what to do. So I love that this is just going, okay, how can we once again, support our bodies <laughs> in, in what they are meant to do? So oh, I love that. Okay. So I have one more thing that I want to talk about related to carbs, related to the idea of what we think of as healthy. Um, and that is, and this is honestly, this has been the hardest thing for me to wrap my mind around. I know the carbs are hard to wrap my mind around, you know, the realization of, okay, maybe I don't need to be eating nuts five times a day. You know, I've already gotten rid of the, you know, most of the, the seed oils and things like that, that, that was gone a long time ago, but realizing, okay, I don't need to eat nuts five times a day. I can drink milk and not die. Saturated fats are good for me. Carbs are good for me. I wasn't restricting carbs, but it is easy to go, oh, well, you know, I shouldn't have too much sugar and instead thinking of balancing. The other thing that we've talked about that is something that's talked about a lot in the pro-metabolic world um, is that we don't necessarily need to be shoveling greens all day long, especially raw greens or raw vegetables. Um, Talk to us about this and Mm -hmm. why this might not be our body's preferred way of getting nutrients. Yeah. So I think this comes alongside that like salad culture, (laughs) right? And so a lot of what we've talked about today and and in the pro-metabolic world looks a little bit at what they like to call ancestral nutrition, which just means how did our ancestors fuel themselves before we had all of these available options for quick food, processed food, you know, what's quick and easiest. Right. And the reason we look at this is because we know that we've had a progressive, pretty extreme increase in metabolic conditions in the last, you know, 80 plus years. And that all kind of started happening. It kicked off when we started really processing our foods. Um, and so when we think about okay, well, what did people used to do with greens and veggies and stuff? It's very rare from the research I've, you know, looked into and how I've understood, you know, these traditions, it was pretty rare for people to just take up some grass and cut it up and eat it like that. And, and really, if you think about a salad, why are we doing salads? Right? So a lot of times it's because it fills you up very quickly without having to 
like you're not going to intake a ton of calories. Yes. Greens have some antioxidants. They have some B vitamins. They have some scrubbing, um, you know, properties. And what I say by scrubbing is, I mean, like they have a lot of things that our body can use to kind of like clean up a little bit. So if you've got a lot of those oils and that gunk in there, they can help clean things up, give your body some oxygen molecules, which are really important to make sure it's breaking down everything correctly and send you on your way. The problem is there's really two pieces that I find when it comes to the veggies and the salad kind of culture. The first is that it's really hard, even as it is, especially again, for busy moms to eat enough calories in general. And overall, most of us are significantly underfed or undernourished. I'll say that. Um, and so when you have a situation where it's really hard for you to get enough calories in, and one of those meals is very low calorie, but it's very filling to your stomach, then we're kind of creating this fake curve where your body turns down the hunger signals because it's got a lot of work to do to try to find some way to get nutrients out of these big, huge leaves, um, and get them moving through your digestive tract. And then at the same time, you just spent this time and this energy and this effort making a meal, but is that meal actually fueling you? Is it producing energy for you? And so I see that a lot of times with salads, that's not always the case. I also find that a lot of people hear me out. Don't love the taste of salads. They love the taste of everything we put. We use them as a vehicle, right? <laughs> but we've convinced ourselves that we love the taste <laughs> because we're like, well, this makes it so much better, you know? And that's kind of like the first piece of it. And then the second thing is exactly what I kind of hit on before is that when you have a body that is needing more nourishment, when your metabolism might already be a little bit slow, you want to fuel it with things that will speed up that process that will speed up the rate that your body is absorbing and using energy and putting it back out. And so what that means is your body has to know there's going to be consistent energy coming in so that it feels safe enough to release consistent energy. What happens is when we slow it down, there's kind of a backup a little bit, right? And so that slows the whole process down. And that's really easy to do with some foods that slow your digestive tract down. So again, going back to our pipe analogy, just like you wouldn't pour bacon grease down your pipes, you also, if you had a backup, if they were already working a little sluggishly, you wouldn't shove a bunch of paper towels down there. So what's that going to do, right? <laughs> So when we think about our metabolism, again, think of it like this system, what could your, you know, pipes handle a paper towel thrown down there every now and then? Yeah, probably if it had enough continuing to move through it, but if it, if you do it every day, eventually things are going to back up and they're not going to flow very well. Same thing happens with our metabolism because we create this environment where not only are we now a little bit undernourished because the pipes are full and we can't simply fit more nourishment in there, but also it takes your body is doing more work. It's having to use more energy to get those nutrients out of these foods than the foods are actually providing. So you create a deficit, which slows your metabolism down. And that's not what we want when your metabolism is already slow. So the way I think about this is that, yeah, salads are great. I'll even still, I mean, I have salads, however, if I'm under a lot of stress, if, you know, when I was coming off of being a very restrictive eater and my body being under a lot of stress, my clients that we have very clear indicators, Hey, like 
your hormones aren't producing in the way we want them to. Maybe your fertility is, you know, not where we want it to be. Your basal body temps are low showing us your body doesn't feel really safe to put out a ton of energy. I'm going to actually temporarily remove some of those because I want to be giving you plenty of things that speed it up and then we'll reintroduce them later. So when it comes to salads, raw veggies, et cetera, um, I do, I think that it is that individual approach. We've got to look at where you're at, where you're wanting to be. What is your body telling us with where your metabolism is at specifically, and then kind of make that decision from there. Um, and then also knowing that yes, the antioxidants and the micronutrients that you are getting from those plants are important, but you can get them in more bioavailable nutrient dense ways through things like fruits. You could also steam. So some, I mean, I love cruciferous veggies for estrogen, estrogen detoxing. And so if we're steaming or mashing or, you know, kind of helping your body do the work before eating some of these veggies, it can actually not necessarily speed the process up, but prevent it from slowing things down. So again, it's that balance of, are you giving your body enough things to fuel what it would take for it to utilize some of these foods? And then also knowing like other fruits and veggies can have very decently, if not pretty close to the same amounts of what we think we're getting from eating a bowl of lettuce. Right. (laughs) And so again, it's that perspective of it's been glorified because it can lead to weight loss pretty effectively, but at what cost is that? And so I think if we really looked at, okay, well, what is the nutrient profile of some of these, you know, big leafy raw greens are there other things we can find that can nourish us in a similar or better way? Yeah. A hundred percent. You're just not being told about them because those don't typically lead to weight loss. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And when we focus on doing things that are going to support our metabolism, then long-term our bodies are going to be better off. Right. Yeah, so yeah. yeah. And they can lead to weight loss again, when your body's in a place where the metabolism is working really well, but yes, diet culture yeah. turns our metabolism off. And then we're like, well, if I eat these things, what do I do? I'm gaining weight. And it's not that a lot of times, sorry, I'll drive this point home and then that'll be it. But a lot of times people think that like figuring out what foods to eat will fix everything or that there's like very specific foods that are the problem or the solution. If we could take away that perspective and think about the environment as a whole, that's really what's going to make the difference. So your body can handle a lot of, you know, things. And hopefully that's what people have gathered from this conversation. Your body can actually handle a lot of these foods. We're saying, Hey, let's reconsider. But in order to do that, the environment has to be right. And what that environment looks like is one where it's adequately fueled. It's adequately nourished. You're getting those macro micronutrients. You're lowering stress levels. You know how to tell your body that it is safe. And then you can have some of these other things thrown in there where you're still seeing results and it's not this constant game of, I can eat this. I can't eat that. Mm -hmm. Yes. A hundred percent. And like you said, it's not any of these things we've talked about. It's not like you're never going to eat polyunsaturated fats or you're never going to have nuts or you're never going to eat leafy greens again, or you shouldn't, or there's no shoulds or shouldn'ts or nevers, right. Put around these things. It's just, what is, what is it that I can do to best support my body? And maybe not, you know, maybe not feeling like we need to have those constantly all the time, every single day. Um, yeah. And that, that kind of a bird's eye view approach of supporting our bodies. 
altogether. So, oh my gosh, this is so good. It's so interesting to me as such a nutrition nerd <laughs> and a health nerd. And it is really, I think for me, learning about all of this has given me not just a different perspective on certain things like greens or nuts or carbs, but also the freedom to explore some foods that I realized I was still sort of hesitant about like dairy, for instance, and just learning new ways to support my body and to support my hormones. Cause I'm always looking for ways to support my body and to support my hormones. I've been focusing on this a little bit more for about three or four weeks or so. Uh, and, uh, once again, my cycle is doing, it's doing pretty great. It was off a little bit when I was stressed a few months ago and that's what happens. I still have PCOS as much as it's in remission, you know, my cycle was off. And then all of a sudden I've been focusing on more nutrient dense foods and Hey, my cycle came right on time, felt great. It was perfect. I'm like, you know what? That's such a good indicator as, you know, someone who has had hormone imbalances that, okay, this is, this is helping. This is helping. <laughs> and so I can be a little mini N equals one testament that, Hey, I mean, our bodies, our bodies want to be supported. Yeah. I love that. And like I said, you know, <clears throat> a little bit earlier, this was some shifts in my own research for clients and the way I was supporting them. And I've absolutely loved the results they've been getting from us adding in some of these different perspectives than what we traditionally started with, you know, five years ago. And I first started helping women with their hormones. And so I totally agree that like, we are always expanding our knowledge and kind of deepening how we can support our bodies based off of learning more about how well they work. And I think that's the perspective to really understand and think through when it comes to what are you going to do next? What is your goal? What are you working towards in your health? It's going to be, all right, cool. This is what it is. And now let's reverse engineer to get that result because you are learning and you are going to now know how your body works and how your body produces that without you having to do a ton of extra work. When we go about it the opposite way and we're like, I've got to force my body to do this and I'm going to fix this one thing. And we don't really look at the why behind why isn't it doing what you want it to do. Then that's where we create kind of these cycles that can make us feel really stuck and frustrated. And, you know, my goal is really to get you out of that by saying, okay, cool. You can definitely have a weight you love or PCOS that's in remission or hormones that are balanced all month long or predictable periods or markers of fertility. It's just to get there. We need to look at where you're at now, what's possibly, you know, disrupted and then support your body to fix it. And it will, it does it. I mean, I, I see it every day. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. There's so much power in knowledge of our bodies and how our bodies work rather than just like you said, forcing our bodies to do something that might not be natural for them. So, oh my gosh, this has been so fun and so helpful. Um, is there anything we missed any other takeaways? I mean, you've given us so much, but is there anything that you, anything else that you're like this, the woman listening needs to hear this before we, before we share a little sneak preview of something we have coming up? <laughs> um, I don't think so. I feel like we hit so much. I think really the biggest thing is just, I know that like with anything, the internet's really loud with this way of eating right now. And I just think it's important to look at your specific situation and your goals and not take everything as black and white and understand that what somebody is telling to the masses can be something that's very effective, but it may not be what you have to force yourself into. Um, and also knowing that some of those generalizations are to help people and to shift their beliefs not necessarily to always be 
the gold standard of what you now have to execute to achieve a result. Um, and then also always remembering that nutrition is one of the biggest ways you can change your health, but it is not the only way you can change your health. And that if you are adopting some of these new ways of eating, there's going to be other factors you're going to want to pay attention to as well. So we have an exciting project coming up uh, related to pro-metabolic eating, a resource specifically geared towards pro-metabolic eating. One of the reasons, I mean, I always love having you on and chatting with you and nerding out on nutrition and health and wellness and hormones. Uh, But can you share a little bit with the listeners about resources that you have and that I'm a part of coming up around pro-metabolic eating? Yes, 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 yes. So, um, we have, I went to Chris as I started implementing this inside of my reset program and was like, Hey, I need you to help me make some recipes. Cause you guys know, I can tell you all about it, but I cannot cook for the life of me. I'm getting better with Chris's help. I'm getting better. Um, and so we basically decided, Hey, let's create a cookbook very specifically designated for helping women restore and heal their metabolism in a way that it could equate to better, happier hormones, of course. Um, and so, yeah, we have that coming out soon and I am so, so pumped about it. It's going to be so good. And, um, these cookbooks that Chris is, I, I wish I could like, I wish you could see the testimonials I have like on in your ears right now (laughs) from the last cookbook, because what I think is so important and what I love that Chris brings into these projects is that it has to be easy for the mom that might already be stressed and overwhelmed. It has to be easy for the woman that is kind of busy and has a lot of kids or is trying to, Chris and I just nerded out on how we get our kids to eat certain things (laughs) before we started recording. And so that is why I think this is one of the, you know, perfect resources for you. If you're listening to this and you're like, I kind of want to know how to get started. I kind of want to understand, like, how could I incorporate some of these things? We've taken the basic principles, these foundations that I think are really important of including, and we've placed them in this cookbook because what I would love for you to do before you even start thinking about removing all the things is just start focusing on adding the nourishment and the nutrients first. That's your, that's the best place to jump off and start kind of experimenting and giving your body these macronutrients, these micronutrients, giving it a little bit more nourishment. And then when it comes time to maybe swap out some salads or swap out, you know, some of these other things that you notice, Hey, I think I was just having these because I thought they would help me, but they aren't actually making me feel better. It's going to be so much easier because you've already nourished your body. And when your body's nourished, it turns off your cravings. It turns down, um, you know, a lot of those signals that we think are bad because we're like, I'm starving and I need this and I'm craving this and I have to have this. And like when your body's nourished, those things get turned down and turned off and you get to actually eat foods that are amazing. And I think one thing we didn't even hit on this whole episode, I don't even know how Chris is that eating in this way is literally the best, most like tasty way you can eat, right? Like yes. adding butter and milk and yes. cream. It's butter, milk, like cream, <laughs> really, really savory proteins and, you know, making carbs taste absolutely delicious because mm-hmm. we're flavoring them with these things that also give our body nourishment. I know. How did we not talk about how delicious this is? <laughs> 
every recipe I create is like super family friendly too. Like we said, mom friendly in terms of cooking, but also family friendly, like, because we want our kids to eat these foods too, right? We want to nourish the whole family really well. And so thank you so much for saying all those things, (laughs) but no, I am, I am so excited about it too, because it is, it's easy to hear all these things and to go, okay, but now how do I actually apply this? So I am all about that adding in philosophy too. How can we add in more of these nutrient dense foods? How can we make it easy? And what I find is that the more we add in these foods, the other stuff just falls away because we don't need it anymore and the better we feel. And so it's just bringing those in. And so we've worked together to create all these incredible recipes for all of you. So you can bring in lots of these nutrient dense foods and kind of get the, get the basics. Yes. I love it. And one thing I was going to say earlier that I didn't is this way of eating, I think is going to, I've seen it and I believe it's only going to continue literally changing the world of fertility, especially Mm -hmm. for people with conditions like PCOS or endometriosis. And I, I, I know that like our body temps and our thyroid function and our metabolism is literally how our body feels that safety. We're always talking about when it comes to getting pregnant naturally or from a holistic standpoint. And so we've even, you know, chatted and and teased a little bit about how do we make this specific to fertility? Um, And so we're just really, I think, excited to bring not just this information, but also, like you said, the implementation and the simple practical ways you can start kind of merging this in with your day-to-day life without feeling that overwhelm and that overload. Um, And, you know, that's what I, you're all about balance. I'm always about like, Hey, let's be practical while still being natural at the same time. You don't have to not shave your armpits and live in a tent outside to be holistic. Like that's not what it's about. <laughs> um, and sometimes we feel like we feel that pressure of like, Oh my gosh, like there's a toxin in my home. I I'm not, you know, more na- like natural enough. And like, that's not, that's not real life. So. Yes, this is real life ways to start to support our bodies in a better way. Yes. Um, so it's going to come out in July and then it'll also be a part of your programs and all that. So I have a link I created for the wait list. If you want to get on the wait list, cause this will be coming out mid June. So there's still a few weeks before it's going to be available. So Yay. you can go hop on the wait list and hear from us. If you want to be a part of this resource, you do, if you've made it this far in the episode, you're, you want this. Um, <laughs> so Dr. Heather, thank you so much for coming on. Like I said, I love chatting with you always, but especially nerding out about nutrition. And I just, I love your perspective on how the women can go about really supporting their hormones, increasing their fertility, and just, you know, without so much of this stress or dogma, but really doing it in a way that is practical and, uh, and friendly to their, to their already busy lives. Thanks so much, Chris. I love chatting about it all the time, and I appreciate you having me back. Thank you for listening to my podcast. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. If you loved it, would you take a screenshot and share it with a friend over on Instagram and tag me in it? It helps me so much to know what you love and are taking away from each episode. If you really loved it, would you hop over to iTunes and give me a star rating and review? Every rating and review helps this podcast be seen and heard by more women who need to hear the message of balance and wellness without deprivation. It's the best free gift you could give me. And as a reminder, the information and opinions on this podcast are meant for education and inspiration only and are not to be taken as medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. 
please consult with a trusted practitioner before making any changes. Have a beautiful day, friend, and I'll see you in the next episode.